Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Turn with me to Matthew 11. Matthew 11, we're going to read verses 2 and 3 to start this morning, kicking off a new series. I'm so excited. It seems like I've been out of the pulpit for a long time. I was a little nervous, a little rusty getting up here, kind of, so to speak, but you've been well taken care of. You had an opportunity for Pastor Cody, Pastor Dave, and Pastor Mom (laughs) right there in the front row. So a wonderful, wonderful time with all of them for sure. I'm excited to kick off a new series. We're calling it Life in Focus. It's going to take us all the way up to... Easter, and we're going to look at these next four weeks, counting this one, and how we can focus on what's more important, most important. Uh, life can be blurry at times, and there's other things that can certainly come into our life and obscure our view, or if you will, but we're going to learn how to really dial in the voice of God. Actually, it's really a series on faith, but I'm not very creative or clever, and just I had the guys come up with a clever title for me, but we're going to talk about faith these next four weeks and how what we look at builds or decreases or increases or decreases our faith. You know, what are you looking at? So we want to focus on the things that build our faith for our life. And so this is a great story to open up with this morning in Matthew 11. We're going to talk, uh, we're going to launch into this. This is the setup for the rest of the series, a little bit about John the Baptist. A great story, his life, uh, one of the heroes uh, in the Bible, if you will. Uh, He really wrestled with a few things. I think he's just like us. And so when we talk about faith, we're really talking about our expectations, and, and John's going to show us in, in this passage today the struggle between um, what we expect God to do or what we want God to do and what he does. And so the biggest struggle, I think, for you and I in life at times is basically unmet expectations. I mean, I'm thinking back in my past, I'm looking at my present, I'm looking to the future, and I have these expectations that I want from God and what I think should happen, how I think it should happen, it, happen my desire and really, my, my struggle is when it's not met the way that I wanted them to be met. And in fact, let me say it this way. The greater the unmet expectation, the greater the disappointment in life. And I find some of life's greatest disappointments are really attached to these unmet expectations that I had. And so I think there's something to be said about making sure that we are looking into the Word of God, not to see what, not just for the sake of we're talking to God about what we want Him to do, but what does He do? And there's a difference a lot of times. And so John's wrestling with this, and he's a great person for us to look at to kick up the series. And he says this in Matthew 11, 2. He says, when John, it's John the Baptist, the one who baptized Jesus when he started his ministry, who was in prison. Hold on to that phrase. That's extremely important, I believe. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he's talking about Jesus. He's talking about the one he baptized. He's talking about the one who he came to prepare the way for. When he heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples, John's followers, hundreds of miles, or 100 miles rather, to to find Jesus and to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? How interesting is that statement, that question rather, from John? Because it wasn't that long ago that John was baptizing Jesus. And in fact, he had this argument with them. He says, no, no, I cannot baptize you. You must baptize me. You are the one who came to take away sin. And we had this big dialogue we'll look at in just a minute. And then all of a sudden, here we are a little bit later, John's in prison and he's sending his disciples to find Jesus to ask him, are you really the guy? 
You know what that says to you and I? It says that John has some unmet expectations. He has some things he thought Jesus should be doing that wasn't happening. There's some things that, that he felt Jesus should have taken care of or operated in a certain way that obviously weren't in his mind. And so he even questioned or he doubted what was going on there with Jesus. Now, John was someone who was not unfamiliar with high expectations because if you know his life and we get a little bit of a glimpse of it, he was someone there was high expectations about. In fact, when John was um, born, his parents were really, he's a miracle baby. Let's just say it that way. He's a miracle baby. In fact, he was uh, from uh, his dad, Zechariah, was the temple priest and his mom, Elizabeth, they both together were too old for kids. The Bible says that she could not conceive and that they were very old. And so one day when Zechariah was in the temple doing his thing, an angel showed up, the angel Gabriel, in fact, the Bible says, and told Zechariah that he would have a son. And he said, we've heard your prayers. Your prayers have been heard. You will have a son. He will be mighty. He, he will be strong in the Lord. He will bring people back from Israel to the Lord, and he will prepare the way for the Messiah. And Zechariah doubted that because his wife was unable to conceive and how old he was. And so the angel, this is so funny to me, the angel looked at Zechariah and said, I don't want to hear any more doubt out of your mouth. So you're not going to be able to speak until this baby's born. I mean, I mean, that's like, how many of you guys have ever prayed that prayer? I thought, hey man, my wife just raised her hand. Can you believe that? Your wife, who's that? Come on. And so, so there's these high expectations. John's not unfamiliar with that. And when I talk about expectation, I want us to understand we're talking about faith. Because faith, when you get to the essence of it, is an expectation. And faith is a confident assurance that a negative circumstance holds the potential to produce something positive in your life. So John is wrestling at this point in time. He came, he's a miracle baby, if you will. Expectations surrounding his life, and all of a sudden he's doubting what he had believed while he's in prison. And that's not unlike you and I, because to be honest with you, some of our biggest struggles of faith are unmet expectations. And if we keep living there, if we keep experiencing that, it will really challenge us in our faith. And we all have those in life. And you may have today an unmet expectation in your marriage. I didn't think it would be this way. I didn't realize this was what's going to happen. I didn't sign on for this. I had other expectations. You may have that in your singleness. Maybe you thought you'd be married by now, or maybe you thought things would be different, or maybe you never thought you would experience divorce or something. Maybe it's in raising your kids. Maybe you had these expectations of what your family life would be like or your child, and it's different, and you have these unmet expectations, and yet you had been believing God. Maybe in your job you thought that you'd be further along in your career or you thought you would be in a career and your income would be such and yet you find yourself in a certain place. Our life finds so many unmet expectations around us and surround us that it's easy to focus on the unmet expectation which does nothing to build our faith and miss God himself and who he is in our life. And so when we talk about the faith, we're gonna talk about our expectations And again, uh, what you see here, John is no stranger to high expectations in life. You know, it's interesting to me when he was born six months after, well, before he was born, actually, after he was conceived six months, uh, Elizabeth, his mom, had been pregnant with him for six months. Then on the scene comes Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus, who has a really miracle uh, birth story. But she was visited by an angel and the Holy Spirit overshadowed her and and God planted a a purpose and destiny, a seed in her. 
It's interesting to me what Mary did immediately when she was expecting. Can I just play on those words for a moment, expecting an expectation? So when Mary was expecting, the first thing she did, the Bible says, is she went off into the Judean wilderness to find her relative Elizabeth. Why did she do that? It's because she knew Elizabeth was expecting. And so here's Mary who now is expecting and has God's purpose within her. And she goes to find immediately, here's a, here's a huge point for you and I, she goes immediately to find somebody else that is expecting. Can I tell you it's important as people of faith to be around people of faith? Can I tell you it's important when God drops something in your heart, you go find somebody else and God's dropped something in their heart and to be around that? Can I tell you it's important for you to be in an environment of faith? Because we live a life of faith and the enemy's trying to rob us of that faith and we need to surround ourselves of people of faith. And here's why. Because the Bible says when Mary found Elizabeth, when Mary greeted Elizabeth, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greetings, the Bible says that expect, what she was expecting inside of her leapt for joy at the sound of Mary's voice. And it was because Mary was carrying some expectation from God in her. Come on, somebody. The expectation of God in you will stir the expectation of God in somebody else. And the expectation of God in somebody else will stir the expectation of God in you. And that's why, that's why and, I, and I love the fact that we have online uh, opportunity. And, uh, you know, if you can't make it, then catch us online if you're not feeling well. Or maybe you live somebody, somewhere else. But can I tell you, there's nothing like being present. Because we believe we need to be around other people of expectation. And so the things of God inside of us will feed the other, if you will, will stir up the gift of the expectation of somebody else. In fact, when you came in today, I dare say, how many of you came in expecting today? Come on, I'm not talking pregnant right now. Okay, right? Like, that's like, I don't know if I raised my hand on that one. Husband's <laughs> looking at her wives. Whoa, you never said anything. Anyway, so you come in. So you, you come in with expectation. Can I tell you, when, when the worship team stepped into the worship for us and led us in that moment, I'm telling you, when you hit that, I feel a move or there's a move, something leaped on the inside of me. Come on, everybody. It's that expectation when you put yourself in that environment. And so some of us struggle with our faith because we don't put ourselves around other people of faith. We listen to the negative and we look at the circumstances and we talk about the unmet expectations. We talk about the things God didn't do rather than the things God does. It's not about what he does. It's about who he is. And so expectation, get around other people and get in environments of expectation. It's important. Those things will be stirred up inside of you. There's something about being around people or an environment of expectation. So when Elizabeth and Mary got together, Elizabeth said to Mary, when you got here and you spoke your greeting, the baby you're expecting in me, in the baby you're expecting in you made the baby I'm expecting leap. The God purpose in you will encourage the God purpose in somebody else. Now you can't see it. But something in you, the Jesus in you, the Christ in you, the purpose in you, made the purpose in me jump. So we need to be around people of expectation. Expectation is contagious. Faith is contagious. Now, a lot has happened from that time until the time John is in prison in this moment. And understand in that time, we don't have a lot of in-between there. But John, basically, we know John was doing his job. 
I mean, he was called to be, return people back to God. He was called to be the, the, the mouthpiece, the spokesperson that would point people to the Messiah, to Jesus. And Jesus is doing his job at this time. So John has already had this encounter with Jesus at the baptismal, and he finds himself now, after doing his job, understand something, John, John was the messenger and Jesus was the message. And I think that's interesting to me because when John is talking about unmet expectations, we need to understand how high his expectations were so we can understand how great his disappointment. Because we can find it relating to our lives at times. So when John saw Jesus at the Jordan River as an adult, John identified Jesus not by what he did because Jesus hadn't performed any miracles at that time, but he identified him based on who he was. Let me say that again. John, when he saw Jesus at the Jordan River, identified Jesus not by what he did, but he identified him based on who he was. Now understand the importance of this, because if we only learn to identify God by what he does for us, then our expectation will be attached to what he does, not to who he is. That's important to you and I because God doesn't always do things the same way every time. In fact, he sometimes exceeds your expectation and sometimes he gets you what you need, not what you want. He knows better. So if we attach our expectation from God uh, to God based on what he does, then we can find ourselves in disappointment, but our faith is not based upon what God does, but it's based upon who he is. And so John has this attachment of expectation that wasn't being met. But at one point in time, he identified Jesus for who he was, not based on what he did. And so we know that's important because God never, ever changes. But what he does, does change. He doesn't do it the same way every time. And here's what I think the danger is when we attach expectations to what he does at times. It's because sometimes if it doesn't happen, and it doesn't happen, and it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen, then we begin to lose our faith, right? So you begin then to set your expectation low because your disappointment that comes, you don't even want to engage your faith anymore. Or the opposite can be this. If you ex- attach these high expectations to God, you need to be careful because you may be expecting God to do something that's outside of his character. You may be expecting God to do something for you he never said he would do. And can I tell you, I'll raise my hand, both my hands on that one. Have you ever prayed the prayer and expected God to do something you can't even find in his word? I mean, it's like, come on, just this one time. I mean, really, I could really make it work if you really talk. This verse kind of sounds like that, God, you know? I mean, it makes sense to me. And so we need to not attach our expectations based on what he does, but our faith is attached and based on who he is. See, John was in prison. John was in prison for what he was saying. John wasn't a thief. He wasn't a murderer. He was standing up to a wicked king. John was an outspoken guy. John told the way he saw it. And I love John because there's times when you look in the scripture of him baptizing people, and he's got this message of judgment and repentance. And he's liking it too. He's loving being that spokesperson. And he's dressed all funky with camel hair and he's eating locusts and all this kind of stuff. And he's just telling it like it is. And so he'll have, when you read the story, he'll have a religious crowd watching him baptize people. And he'll take somebody and dunk him and they'll come up and he'll look at the religious crowd and say, you brood of vipers. And he'll grab the next person and dunk him. Because you're nothing but snakes. You know, it's like, I'm glad we came to the baptismal today. What a blessing this is, right? But let me just prove, that's, that's important because John just calls it like he sees it. 
And John has this expectation then. He's just calling it like he sees it. John was in prison for what he's saying, standing up to a wicked king. Jesus was the lamb that takes away sins of the world, he would say. I'm here to point everyone to Jesus. There's a message of repentance. And John was pointing everyone to Jesus so Jesus could do what he came to do. Now, we need to take a look at something that John said before he baptized Jesus because I think it reveals really his expectation. And we got a little bit of look into his personality. Let's take a look at what his expectation. This was his expectation of the Messiah. Matthew 3, 11 through 12. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more, what? Powerful. I'm gonna baptize you in the water for repentance, but someone's coming that is more powerful than me whose sandals I'm not even worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Listen to his wording here. His winnowing fork is in his hand. A winnowing fork, if you'll look that up, it's just a term that they use when they're separating chaff from wheat. It's like a pitchfork. They'll be just be working, digging in there, and they'll be separating the bad stuff from the good stuff. They'll be separating the good from the bad, the evil from the good, the righteous from the unrighteous. You can get the picture here. He's talking about he's going to he's going to separate the Jews from the Gentiles. He's going to separate the, the Israel from Rome. He's going to separate the bad from the good. And he goes on. He says this. And he says, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. He's going to separate you bad, evil people and burn you up with fire. (laughs) You can see, come on. And if you were to go to his church, he'd be preaching hell and brimstone every weekend. Turn or burn, baby. Come on, you know. Basically, he's saying, he's like, hey, Jesus is coming and it's, it's on right now. The Son of God is here, and he's going to take care of business. He's got his fork and fire, and you better watch out. This reveals his personality, and then also reveals his expectation. Can you see it in that passage of Scripture? That's what John was expecting. John says he's here, and he's powerful. The Son of God is here, and he's going to take care of the bad and burn it up with fire. It's about to go down. He's like, bring the fire. So John's in prison now. And something's making him doubt what he didn't doubt before. And so John sends messengers 100 miles to ask Jesus one question. We saw that. John's in prison and he sent the messengers to the one with the fork and the fire. But John's the one in prison. He's like, I'm just the messenger. You're the message. You're the one with the fork and the fire. Why am I in prison? And all he's seeing and hearing about the reports is Jesus is healing people. And Jesus is blessing people. And great crowds are coming together around Jesus because Jesus is so awesome. He's hearing reports on how awesome it's going. I'm hearing how awesome it's going for Jesus. And I'm just a messenger. I stood up to the king and I'm here in prison and I'm just a messenger. Notice again what he says in Matthew 11:2 two through three. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect somebody else? In other words, John's saying this, I thought you were gonna do this. I mean, I, I, I thought that you were gonna work this way. I mean, I really thought and expected that this was gonna happen. And I'm wondering why you're not. And I'm wondering what you're doing. And I'm wondering where you are. Have you ever been there? God, I thought you were gonna 
do this. I thought you were going to work this way. I'm wondering where you are, where you've been in this situation. I'm wondering, what are you waiting for? I'm wondering what you're doing. I'm wondering if you're even there. I'm wondering if you're the same God I signed up for when I said yes to Jesus. I'm wondering what has happened. And you can almost feel that emotion perhaps in John as he sent his messengers. And some of you came in here wondering today. Some of you in here have unmet expectations. And it's caused you to doubt. You're wondering what happened. See, the truth here is John is really in two different prisons at the same time. One was that prison that Herod put him in for being so outspoken. And one was the prison of his expectations, the prison of his own plans, the prison of what he thought God was going to do. And look what the messengers say, Matthew 11, four through six. What, what, actually what Jesus says to the messengers and they take back. Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you, see, what you hear and see. And here's what he says. He goes, go tell John that those that couldn't see before, those that were blind can see now. He says, go and tell John that those that couldn't walk or move on their own can now walk and jump and dance. He says, and go tell John those who have leprosy that were outcasts with this horrible disease that nobody would go near and touch, now they're able to embrace their loved ones for the first time. He says, go and tell John that the deaf can hear, the dead are raised, the good news is proclaimed to the poor. You know what he's saying? He's saying, go and tell John I'm doing what I came to do. Go and tell John, I'm moving. Go and tell John, I'm working. Go and tell John, I'm doing what I came to do. It may not be what you expect, John, but I'm doing what I came to do. Therefore, our faith is not based on our expectation of God, but on what he said he would do. It's almost like, John, Jesus is kind of rebuking him a little bit, but he really isn't. Jesus was just telling John what he was doing. He was telling John he was doing what he said he would do. Take a look in Luke 4, 18 through 19. Here's what Jesus said he came to do. Jesus says this in Luke, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of the sight to the blind, and to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's Savior. He's like, John, I came to do what I said I was gonna do. I can't help it if you want me to do something else, but I can only do what God sent me to do and what I said I would do, I'm doing. In fact, Jesus is quoting Isaiah 61. If you look in Isaiah 61, Jesus is quoting what the Old Testament prophet said he would do. He's like, I can only do what God's asked me to do, so don't. Put an expectation on God that you want or have and attach your faith to it. Find out what he said he would do and put your faith on what he said he would do because Jesus is saying, I came to do what I said I would do. Some of us have these expectations that you can't even find in the word. And no wonder we live with disappointment and frustration. Jesus does what he said he would do, not what John was expecting him to. In other words, Jesus is saying to John to put his faith in what he said, not in what he wants. Because Jesus may not always live up to your expectations, but he always lives up to his word. 
I'll say that again. Jesus may not always live up to your expectations, but he always lives up to his word. Amen? Because he is a good and faithful God. We need to put our faith in, focus on what Jesus said he would do, not what we want to see him do, but we find ourselves living in the prison of unmet expectations because our focus is off. We focus on what we want to be seen, want to see him do, not what he said he would do. We're gonna have to decide where we're gonna focus. See, he said, go tell John, there is a, a purpose that is greater. Go tell John there is a plan that is bigger. He said, go tell John, I'm right on target. Go tell John, I'm moving, I'm working. He said this, go go tell the prisoner. Go tell the sick. Go tell the broke. Go tell the hurting. Go tell the depressed. Go tell the married. Go tell the single. Go tell the young. Go tell the old. Go tell them, I'm working. I'm doing it just not the way you may want me to, but I'm doing it based on what I said I would do. And that's where our focus needs to be. So look at what Jesus says. Matthew 11, 6 through, we're going to read 6 through 12. First of all, he starts this way in verse 6. He says this, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Now, I love that. Because can I tell you, I've stumbled on what I thought he should do. What I felt he should do. So we don't stumble on what we think he should do. We need to focus on his word and what he said he would do. And he goes on to say this in verse seven. He says this, as John's disciples were leaving, interesting, as John's disciples were leaving, he already sent them back. Here's what I want you to tell John. Go tell John. And as they left, he turns, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. He told the messengers to tell Take a message to John. I want John to hear this. But then he tells the crowd, here's what I want you to hear about John. What did you go in the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by wind? You know what he's telling them? He's like, hey, John's a strong guy. John's not a wishy-washy guy. John makes up his mind, and John does what he says he's going to do. That's why he's going to stand out there, and that's why everybody went to see him, because John was out there telling it like it is. You know what Jesus was saying? John's greatest strength is his greatest weakness. Because he's unbending then. Because John sees it this way and he refuses to see it another way. Don't raise your hand if you identify with that. But he's telling them, hey, listen. Don't get down on John. That's who John was. And he goes on to say this. I love this. If not, what did you go out there to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in the king's palaces. Because on said this in nine. Then what did you go out there to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you more than a prophet. This is the one whom it is written, I will send my, this is the one who God sent, Jesus is saying, I'll send my messenger ahead of you, he'll prepare prepare your way before you. Verse 11, truly I tell you, listen to what Jesus says, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. That's pretty solid, I mean, that's a great shout out by Jesus, but listen to what he says now, yet, Whoever is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. He's talking about John's humility or lack thereof. Man, John's great, and that's why everyone wanted to see him. God sent him out there, but John had one fault in him. He refused to see it any other way than the way he thinks it should be done. Ouch. Just curl your toes up a little bit right there. 
Because isn't that not what our struggle is at times? We think we should be done this way. And when it doesn't happen, then there comes our disappointment and our unmet expectations and cause a crisis of faith inside of us. But God's saying, Jesus is saying right here, he's like, man, John's great. There's none greater. But listen, he would not surrender his will to the will of God. He would not trade his expectations, what he wanted to see, for what God already said he would do in Isaiah. And all of we will learn from John this morning that we will let go of our expectations on what we think God should do and we will surrender it and get our focus on what God already said he would do knowing that Jesus does what he says he will do and build our faith and trust on that and not what we want to see but what he has said. I love this passage of scripture. So when... The reality of this is what I believe that Jesus was saying there at the end. He said, once we're free from the prison of our expectations, we can embrace the freedom of what Jesus is doing. When you get set free from the way you thought it would be, you can embrace what he wants to do in you and through you. Where's your focus? Is your focus on what you think God should do or on what Jesus said he would do? Because Jesus does what he says he will do. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this moment, this opportunity. But I pray for all of us, myself included, Lord, for those because we've all been at that place of unmet expectations, Father God, and the disappointment that comes. But may we be a person that is willing to surrender our will and our way to yours. May we stop holding on what we think you should do, how we think you should do it. And just look in your word, Father God, and trust what you've already said. And may we hold on to that. Father, I believe that we, so many of us, have put ourselves in a self-imposed imprisonment to unrealistic expectations. May we Remove ourselves from that place and find the freedom you bring by surrendering our will and choosing to believe it and see it and live it by how you said it would be, Father God. I thank you, Father, that you come and help heal and restore the so much unmet expectations, so much disappointment, so much hurt that, Father God, that we can then surrender and come to that place of humility and humbleness, Father God, and find the freedom that you've provided for us. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.